Pillars of Faith is a podcast to remind everyone that no matter where you are on your journey to understanding and knowing God better, that God accepts you exactly where you are. Our intention is to connect, direct, guide, and answer questions that you may have along the way to developing your own personal relationship with God. Hey there, this is Care DJ, welcoming you to another episode of Seekers of Faith. We have a terrific guest lined up for today's podcast, but before we bring them on, I would like to introduce our host, Casey Kohlberg. Thanks, Kara. That kind of sounds like I'm being introduced for The Price is Right. (laughs) I guess it kind of does. Well, Casey, come on (laughs) down. You are the host for this next podcast. Alrighty then, would you please tell us a little bit about our guest today? Sure thing. Rabbi Ryan was raised in a Reformed Jewish home in the Baltimore, Washington metropolitan area. He has degrees from Winthrop and Liberty Universities. It was during his college career that he came to believe that Yeshua, meaning Jesus, is the Jewish Messiah. This belief led Rabbi Ryan to practice a very unique form of Judaism. It encourages Jewish people to practice their faith with full allegiance to Jesus. Rabbi Ryan has served in the church and the Messianic Jewish movement in various roles. He has spoken in hundreds of churches and Messianic congregations, both domestically and internationally, and he has also led trips to Israel. Presently, he serves as the rabbi at Tikva David Messianic Synagogue in Roswell, Georgia. He is the director of Torah Club, which is a network of study groups that learn the Bible as disciples from a Messianic Jewish perspective. And he's also the director of outreach for First Fruits of Zion organization. Aside from leading his flock at the synagogue, he and his wife lead their own flock of six children at home. (laughs) Very cool. Well, let's get this party started. Rabbi Ryan Lambert, thank you for joining us on Seekers of Faith. It is good to be with you. I'm looking forward to this conversation for sure. Thank you. Well, we are too because um, we don't know anything about (laughs) the Jewish faith. Yeah. Um, I know, well, a little bit. I was a camp counselor at a all-Jewish girls camp in New Hampshire. Interesting. And it wasn't until they asked me to say the prayer on Saturday night, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. And, <laughs> I bet they love that. And they all kind of yeah. looked at me, and I was like, what yeah. can I say? I'm Methodist. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, and they were like, but your last name's Kohlberg, aren't you? <laughs> I'm like, no. It does, yeah. Yeah. It's got a ring. Yeah. It does have a ring. Yeah. <laughs> so Funny. we are so excited to be able to yeah. get uh, get some information from you today. Yeah, me too. So let's get started um, about you. Sure. And so did you grow up in a Jewish household or? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in a typical, uh, first of all, again, thank you all for your interest and in, in coming out here today to the synagogue. It's good to, to have you here. Um, yeah, I grew up in a, in a typical, what I would describe as a typical American Jewish home, mm-hmm. um, which means that, uh, you know, the uh, Judaism, just similar to Christianity and other faiths, has a spectrum. So, you, or, or maybe we could think in terms of a continuum, and that you have 
um, uh, different, we could say, branches of Judaism. You have reform, conservative, and orthodox. Okay. Um, and so it kind of goes from, from left to right. Reform is more liberal. Of course, orthodox is more you know, more uh, hardcore. Um, I, I, I don't like to use the word conservative because there's actually a technical conservative is a movement within Judaism. Oh. You have conservative Judaism in the middle. Huh. And so, but the, the majority of American Jews uh, are in the are, are reform. Okay. So, so, you know, roughly, I don't know, 80, 85% which means, you know, reform synagogues are, you know, or reform Jews tend to be very mainstream and mm -hmm. and they don't dress in a distinctively Jewish way, maybe with the exception of, you know, some of them may wear a star of David or things like that, but mm -hmm. but um, you know, so I grew up and when I say a typical American reform Jewish home, we were synagogue members. I had my bar mitzvah mm -hmm. uh, when I was 13 and um, uh, we celebrated the Jewish holidays, but um, you know we were not strict as far as keeping kosher, which are the Jewish dietary laws. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, but being Jewish, of course, was a very big part of my identity. Um, I grew up in the Silver Spring, Maryland area, which is right outside Washington. Washington, see, yes, right? I my, know of that area. Yeah, so my fam, very Jewish, you know, a lot of Jewish people, a lot of synagogues in that area. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my family's from Baltimore, and my mom grew up in Pikesville, which is like a super Jewish section of, of Baltimore. <laughs> so she didn't grow up Orthodox, but the neighborhood, even to this day, has a very strong Orthodox presence. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, most American Jews... Um, are who are you know uh, grow or, or identify or sort of orient or see the world through more of a reform Jewish lens, which is again it's it's more of a I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's a more of a liberal form of Judaism, mm -hmm. and and the a level of observance of the Torah is is much more. Uh, relaxed and and hmm. points of emphasis are a little different than you would have say in in orth in the on the orthodox, orthodox. sides of mm -hmm. things. Whereas orthodox Judaism, you're talking observance and and um, making sure you know uh, the laws of keeping kosher and Shabbat and so forth are obviously given given very high importance. Um, in in on the reform side of things, certainly observance matters, but the the, the points of emphasis are more social justice and mm -hmm. you know and and being uh, philanthropy and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the world that I grew up in. Right. Um, so so the question we didn't sit around our table. You know, Christians will you know say what would Jesus do? We didn't really sit around the table <laughs> saying what would Moses do? Yeah. You know? <laughs> That wasn't really our, our way of seeing the world. Our, in, it, there's a great Jewish word, a Hebrew word. It's called hashkafa. 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 Yeah, it means, uh, it's like the, the English equivalent would be worldview. And so the okay. worldview of a, of, an, of a reform Jewish person is quite different in many ways uh, than that of an Orthodox Jewish person. Yeah, and sure. we can talk about some of those differences as we go along, but that was a long answer to your question. But yes, I grew up... <laughs> in a reformed Jewish home in the Baltimore, Washington area. Um, I would say we were like most American Jewish people uh, who were raised like me. Uh, being, a, I was more American than I was Jewish and that, you know, played sports. And, right. you know, we, uh, I just kind of had a typical American middle-class upbringing, but Jewish identity was very important. And for me growing up, one of the sort of the key identity markers um, was that we didn't believe in Jesus and we didn't celebrate 
Christmas and Easter. Right. So it was, it, we almost thought of ourselves in terms of what we were not as much as who we, what we were. Sure. And that's really important. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we can share, you know, talk more uh, as we go along. Later, as I, you know, as when I became adult, I did. I became a Messianic Jew, and I'm a Messianic Jewish rabbi now, which means I do embrace the idea that Jesus is the Messiah, but doing so through. Uh, through a Jewish lens, if you will. Through the, so again, through, the, through the context of Judaism, which is a very controversial idea. It was controversial sure. yeah, in the imagine. first century. I mean, this is this is like, um, uh, not saying it's going back 2,000 years, but in some ways it kind of is because, you know, Jesus came in a Jewish context. He mm -hmm. was an adherent. Right. You know, he, he practiced Judaism. I mean, that was his religion. That right. was Paul's religion. And then this idea that Jesus being the Messiah is a very Jewish idea. So I don't know. That's all part of my journey, passion, yeah. and uh, part of the conversation. Yeah, that was, that was kind of the confusing part. I was yeah. like, is, is this relatively a new concept, the Messianic, or is it? Great question. Yes and yes and no. In that um, it is um, the idea of messianic Jews and and sort of a, a messianic Judaism goes back as far as the New Testament. Because remember, wow. uh, all of Jesus's first followers Matthew, Mark, Peter, uh, Paul. You know. Uh, you know, Paul wasn't one of the first batch, you know, uh, batch of followers. First but the batch. 12, the first batch. That's kind of it's a like weird cookies. way of putting it. Yeah, it's like cookies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, the disciples, you know, we, we tend to, um, uh, because we have 2,000 years of history and we have lots of church tradition and, and so forth, which is wonderful, but we tend to think of them as Christians. But that was more the, the, the uh, Christianity and church tradition evolved over time, but at first, look, these were Jewish men and Jewish mm -hmm. women right. who were keeping Absolutely. Torah, who were speaking Aramaic, but in the synagogues were hearing Hebrew yeah. and, 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 and so forth. They were celebrating Hanukkah, which we're getting ready to celebrate here at the synagogue next week, uh, Hanukkah and Passover and the Jewish holidays. There was no, at that point, there was no conception of a different and unique religion known as Christianity. It was Judaism, and they were persuaded that this carpenter from the Galilee, this miracle worker, this prophet, this um, you know, this one that they would eventually call Adon, they would call him Lord. Um, he was claiming to be the Messiah, the King of Israel, and the hope, even as Paul calls him, the hope of Israel. So it was a very Jewish idea, mm -hmm. a very Jewish movement. Of course, over time, and especially after Jesus' death and resurrection, and then after the apostolic era mm -hmm. and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, things evolved, and, and there was a sort of a parting of the ways. Mm -hmm. But that was a messy, kind of long parting. And so, but back to your original question, is this kind of a new thing? Well, it really isn't new in that it goes back to the beginning, right? If you but go at back the same, that far, yeah. If you go back that far, but it, as far as the the visible, viable, definable presence of Messianic Jews mm -hmm. and Messianic Judaism, mm -hmm. so a Judaism, a, a belief within Judaism that Jesus is the Messiah, 
is a that idea and that movement of phenomenon resurfaced uh, in in more modern times. Hmm. Actually, it's interesting. In 19th century Europe, uh, there was there was a a movement along this line uh, that was happening, and we have some really interesting historical sources that indicate that there were actually quite a few Jews and even communities of Messianic Jews in wow. Europe in the in the so we're talking the 1800s. Yeah. But wow. um, but really, it was it was um, the 1960s. Uh, is what most people kind of point to as sort of the modern rebirth mm -hmm. of the Messianic Jewish movement. Uh, it kind of started in the whole the whole Jesus movement in the '60s, where mm -hmm. there was a, there was just this kind of strange, I would say, spiritual kind of thing going on, where a lot of Jewish people um, came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and then we're trying to figure out, well, what does that mean? Am right. I no, am I now no longer Jewish. Jewish, yeah. Am I now a Christian? What's what's my what's religion? Who am I? Sure. And that that evolved and processed over time to where you had congregate little communities started popping up in New York and in San Francisco and in Chicago and Philadelphia and in Cincinnati and Dallas of these these small groups and they formed into congregations and then they had kids and. Now we have in every major city in the world, you you not just in the United States, but in the world, you usually have multiple Messianic Messianic Jewish synagogues. I mean, here in Atlanta, we have three Messianic Jewish synagogues. There's some smaller groups around as mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, you have Messianic Jewish conferences and books, and I mean, it's just, it's a whole viable movement. It's a whole new club. It's a whole new club, yeah. So anyway, that was... Uh, no, I'd, that was, I'd, I'd never heard of it. Yeah. Was yeah. there a specific event or, or something that happened to you in your life that made you decide to become a rabbi? Oh, to become a rabbi. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I've always had a, just, I've always loved people. Like, I'm a people sure. person. I'm, I guess you would say... I'm an extrovert. Now, I like my alone time, too. I like to just study and sit and read and just kind of be by myself. But I love people, and I love, um, I love when God allows me to do things that makes life better for other people. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that brings me a lot of happiness. Um, happiness is found when I'm helping other people to be happy. Right. You're, yeah, you're Makes serving. Sense, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Serving. So you like serving. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that is sort of a natural um, fit for, for shepherd, whether as a pastor or a rabbi or a, you know, a priest, whatever it may be. And so, um, so yeah, I, I um, really have, so I, I actually led a Messianic congregation um, back in the early 2010s, like around 2011, 2012 which um, uh, lasted for two years. And then I went back into, that's kind of a long story, but I went back into teaching in the public schools. But then I um, started attending here at Tikvat and David and, and was serving here. And, and then uh, the previous rabbi uh, resigned and I became the interim rabbi here <laughs> and was asked to become the you huh. know, permanent yeah. uh, rabbi. And that was back in 2015. So I've been uh, here we're going into the, the sixth year of me being the rabbi here wow. at Tikvat David, and I'm very grateful. That's great. Yeah. What kind of training does do you have to have as a rabbi, like schooling? What 
what what are your what's sure. qualifications? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it really depends on the the realm. It varies um, from whereas you know in in the reform and conservative branches of Judaism, um, there are there are sort of different requirements and sure. different uh, credentials that are. It's it's similar to what you would see. I know probably most listeners and maybe even sounds like what I under, have understood your background, um, maybe understand pastors you know, like a as, seminary as a good, yeah or, but yeah. but like some like if uh to be a presbyterian pastor i mean mm -hmm. there's a lot of boxes that have to be checked and and sort of a a very like uh set specific very set specific of, set yeah. of programs mm -hmm. and 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 that, that you go through so you have that maybe on once or or to be a, a catholic priest it's a very mm -hmm. programmatic path to get there whereas maybe in a non-denominational church um, or, or, or even uh, some Baptist churches, um, it, it, it could just be to where, hey, you're the, you know, kind of, you have some leadership ability, you know the Bible a little bit, and you're just sort of, everybody looks at you with a leadership, and then some people lay their hands on you, and boom, all of a sudden you're the pastor. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that person yeah. may be doing just as good or better of a job as the person who has gone through this regimented uh, program and has a bunch of credentials, maybe even a PhD or a mm -hmm. doctor of theology. So it really varies. They just have a natural gift for they it. They have a natural gift mm -hmm. for it. In, 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 in Messianic Judaism, we do have, um, there's not really a, a set yeah. um, because, you know, we're like my synagogue is part of the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations. And it really varies. Mm -hmm. I mean, most everyone who, who I know of that's a rabbi in the UMJC has some Bible and religious education mm -hmm. and degree that, you know, like I have a degree, a religion degree from Liberty University. Okay. Um, I, I received um, training and what we call smicha, which is ordination from, you know, from a local board of directors here. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it, it varies um, mm -hmm. as far as what your, um, uh, you know, credentials are. In the Orthodox world, just to kind of, because that's kind of important, Orthodox uh, rabbis tend to go through uh, what's called yeshiva, which would be roughly equivalent to Christian seminary. Okay. And then it's just a matter of, you know, a council of rabbis, um, you know, ordaining you. Sure. I mean, similar to what you see in Christian context. So it really varies for me personally. Again, I have a, I have a religion degree. I was mentored. I was ordained. Mm -hmm. And here we are. That's great. Yeah. So when you were growing up, then did you just read the Torah, or mm. was it the Torah and the Bible, or uh, what got you kind of down that path? Good question. So um, one of the misconceptions that many people have about um, uh, especially Reformed Jews, remember Reformed Jews make up the majority of the Jewish people mm -hmm. that probably you've ever met, I've ever met, and the people <laughs> that are, and, and are the listeners have, right. have ever met. I'm sure all of us have probably had some kind of contact with, you know, uh, some of us with, with Orthodox Jews, but the majority are not. And so there is a misconception that Jews know the Torah and the Old Testament really well. 
Well, the reality is most don't. Okay, so well, like, most Christians don't know the Bible. Really. It's, <laughs> it's the same, same kind thing, of thing. So to assume that like because I'm Jewish and even went to synagogue and had a bar mitzvah and had to learn how to chant the Torah and learn the blessings and all those kinds of things, like I know the story, you know, know things well. I don't now. In an Orthodox world, you know, the kids and tend to learn learn the Bible, learn the Old Testament much mm-hmm. better and, and there's you know religious education is much more rigorous. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have religious education growing up in a reformed synagogue and we but it was mostly like Bible stories and so forth and sure. I was probably like half or like 75% tuned out most of the time. Uh, well, anyway, m- most kid, most like kids. kids. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be outside playing ball or whatever. Right. So all that to say um, the, the holy texts of Judaism um, would be first and foremost the Torah. So the, 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 the five books of Moses, which are the first five books of the Christian Bible as well. So we're talking Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, in a Jewish uh, Bible, you will have the entire um, Christian Old Testament in it. So you'll have okay. really? you'll have the Torah, you'll have, you know, um, uh, first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles and Esther and all those books as well as the Psalms and Proverbs and of course the prophets um, those those same books are in a Jewish Bible the 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 the, um, uh, the 37 books of the excuse me, 37 is it 30, uh, no 39 30, the 39 books of the old that are in the Christian Old Testament are also in the Jewish Bible okay. it's just that in a Jewish Bible you won't have uh, a non-Messianic Jewish Bible, you will not have a New Testament. You won't have the 27 right. books of the New Testament. Okay, so there, so it's two different things then. So you have the the Jewish Bible, mm-hmm. and then you have the Torah. Okay, but so they're no, kind of the same. But the Torah is with the Torah is within the Torah is the first five books. Okay, so it's yeah. of the Jewish Bible. So you've got 39 Old Testament books, the mm-hmm. first five in or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, mm-hmm. and Deuteronomy. That's the Torah, and so that's all, you know. But the Torah, the first five books are given, like, primacy. I was just going to ask, yes. and what's the special thing about yeah. the Torah? Part? Well, because the Torah is, is, is it's, it's the law. It's the, it's, the, it's the instruction that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai um, it's it's the the foundational stories you know, that include creation right. and mm-hmm. Abraham and the twelve tribes and Jacob and all those stories that we have in the book of Genesis and then you know the Passover story in the book of Exodus and then you know Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments and then the other commandments are given and then Leviticus the priestly laws <laughs> so everything is just like foundational in the Torah and it's like God's Basically, the way the Jewish people, the way we look at it is it's like, that's the Constitution. That's when God gave the Constitution okay, that makes sense. and said, hey, here are your marching orders. That is the first five books. And then pretty much everything after that, starting with Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Kings, Chronicles, Prophets, the writings, it's all pretty much either history mm-hmm. or it is um, it's it's calling people to the prophets is essentially it's 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 calling the people back to the essence 
of the Torah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the Torah is the foundation that everything works off of that the prophets are saying, we need to come back to this or something is amiss in the way that we're doing Torah or here's the heart and soul of the Torah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when Micah says, you know, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Um, you know, he's, he's trying to get to the essence of what God was 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 trying to institute in mm -hmm. giving the Torah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like support for the Torah. It's like support. Yeah. It's support for the Torah or it's it's how Torah is being lived out or mm -hmm. how, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, it, it, but it all works off off of that those initial uh, books. Oh. So you have the Torah and then you have the broader Bible, mm -hmm. okay? But then also very important in Judaism you also have a whole massive ocean of literature that comments on the Torah and that, mm. that sort of legislates, and there's a very important word in Judaism, it's called halacha. And halacha comes from a Hebrew word, um, uh, halach or holech. Holech means like literally to walk. So halacha is how do we walk this out? Like practically speaking, how do we do the Sabbath mm. in the here and now? How do we apply these these this legislation from God from you know thirty five hundred however many years ago mm -hmm. in modern yeah. times sure. with electricity and with cars and with all these different things? So that's halacha. So halacha is recorded in sources such as the Talmud. You know that the Talmud is um, is a very well known. Uh, massive body of of legislation that was developed in the second through fifth century. So again, it's reflecting earlier times, mm -hmm. right? But it sort of like lays a precedent for how we discuss law and how we discuss how do we do. What does it look like to do today. Torah today? Yeah. And that's what they were wrestling with in the Talmud, very broadly speaking. But then there's there's the Talmud, and there's commentaries on the Talmud, and then you have the whole body of mystical literature, which maybe you've heard of as Kabbalah, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, which is which has had some some um, gained some traction even in some popular non-Jewish right um, yeah um, realms. Madonna was into Kabbalah, right, right. You know, I was going to say that, but I didn't some, want. <laughs> yeah, some again, some even some non some non-Jewish interest in. In all these sources, but mm -hmm. also Kabbalah. Then there's topics like Musar, which is like, Musar is a whole body of Jewish literature, which is like, all right, how do we, um, it's like dealing with change. How do we change and how do we, um, like almost like dealing with ethics and, mm -hmm. and how do I become a better person, the principles mm -hmm. of Musar. So again, there's all these different oh. realms, but ultimately they're all pointing back to the Torah mm -hmm. and working off of that is how it works that's that's fascinating yeah <laughs> so i this is kind of uh i don't know if this makes sense or not but so judaism is it a race a nationality mm. a religion yeah when somebody says they're jewish what what does that mean yeah that's a that's a, that's a very you know a very controversial question i mean there's sort of a simple answer according to uh, I would say that the most narrow definition of Jewish law, but probably the most widely accepted, is that if you have at least a Jewish mother, you are considered halakhically or legally Jewish. 
Um, that would be the, sort of the classic um, definition of who, who is Jewish, who's not Jewish, but that is not universally agreed. So, um, so in other words, if you have a Jewish mother, at least you're considered Jewish, but you know, some reform and conservative um, con you know, um, branches of Judaism mm -hmm. uh, would say if you have a Jewish mother or a Jewish father, the general tendency in Messianic Judaism is if you have a Jewish mother or a Jewish father, you would be counted uh, as, as Jewish. Um, and so, so it's interesting. There is an important distinction between a Jew and who is Jewish and Judaism. Okay, and that's, oh, that's okay. yeah, that's that's really that's really important because, and this even gets into um, the New Testament a mm -hmm. little bit because uh, so anyway, you have, you know, it's it's one thing to say okay, like I'm I am a Jew, I am part, and I would argue that being a Jew is being a part of a people, it's right. part of a it's part of a particular civilization if you will okay um, it, it's it's like being uh, on on one hand it's like being Asian or it's like being or not Asian that's more continental but being um, you know Chinese it's it's a it's a people group okay. uh, the, 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 mm -hmm. the Jewish people um, you know and and so um, uh, you know there's a there's a land there's a there's a there's a language there's sort of a, a constitution mm -hmm. um, and so forth and so Religiously speaking, it would be just you know uh, being a part of a people. But um, so I wouldn't say it's 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 not a race mm -hmm. um, because being Jewish is something that you can you can choose to join. You can you can so you can convert. can convert. You can okay. people do know. it. All. My father was a convert. Both my father and my, my mom was a strong Jewish mother. She converted both my father <laughs> and my stepfather. So my mother <coughs> was born Jewish, halakhically Jewish. And both my father and stepfather converted. So I grew up in Jewish homes, but they were just, they were converts. So that mm -hmm. is very normal in all branches of Judaism mm -hmm. to have converts. So, you know, you can't say, well, if you don't have the blood, you're not in. That's not the way Judaism, you know, the, the, the Jewish people works. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, the, you know, the, the people that practice Judaism are Jews. However, um, an interesting nuance to this is that. I would argue, and this is I, I am I'm gonna gonna preface this by saying like I, I have a minority viewpoint here. So what okay. I'm about to share is is not it's not um, it's it's not that I'm alone in this or like a like a lone ranger <laughs> you know kind of a thing. But I would even argue that in the New Testament that like one of the one of the big ideas was that through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, one of the one of the the realities one of that one of those messianic realities was that the the principles of Judaism and the the ideals and even the the Torah of Judaism was being made accessible not just to Jews but really you know Paul was called the apostle to the nations or the mm -hmm. apostle to the gentiles as he himself refers himself to right it's as if my understanding of Paul is again it's a minority viewpoint but it's actually growing mm -hmm. in in scholarship and academia and even in more popular circles was that Paul was a teacher of Judaism to gentiles in light of 
the messianic reality that he felt was being ushered in through Jesus. In his mind, because going back to the prophets, we, we, I know we're getting deep here. No, no I, I love it's it. Like it's like bread butter. This is no, good. I'm, I'm so, really so, yeah. enjoying so, this. The prophets, so we're talking Isaiah. Mm-hmm. We're talking Ezekiel. We're talking Zechariah. We're talking Micah. They envisioned a day, if reading their text, when all the peoples of the world would have would not become Jewish. They envisioned diversity. Mm-hmm. They envisioned nations. They envisioned colors and languages and peoples. But they also envisioned this unified movement where right or wrong, you know, whether it's, at least this was my reading of their vision, where the, where the nations would, there would, be, there would be this singular, it wouldn't all look exactly the same, but like the nations would no longer worship idols mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and paganism would cease and they would give, the nations would give singular allegiance to the God. To one God. To yeah. one God, right? right? Yeah. To, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And, and that the Torah would be universally applied to not just the Jews, but also to the nations. So the nations yeah. don't become Jews because God's the God of the whole world. He's not just right. the God of Israel. Right. right. But to where this there's, there's this unifying thing that happens that brings the Israel and the peoples together in this beautiful kingdom of peace and justice and joy and oneness respecting diversity as well. Again, that is a very kind of broad picture of, of what I would say is the prophetic vision of what they would call the end of days. Well, and doesn't it sound wonderful? Doesn't it sound Isn't wonderful? That what kind of, and, it's and, kind of what we're hoping yeah, for now. Everybody wants needs to right. come together. And and it's and it's again, it's not making everybody fit into this one narrow like profile. Everybody mm-hmm. has to become Jewish or everybody has mm-hmm. to become this or that. There's tremendous diversity, but it does show the nations like coming to to Jerusalem at you know almost like these pilgrimage mm-hmm. this pilgrimage kind of a kind of a vision to learn the Torah that God gave to the Jewish people right. but that wasn't intended to just stay with the Jewish people it was to be mediated right. to the entire world um, as is you know appropriate and fitting for each group right and so back to Paul so the the prophets envisioned that as like this messianic reality that the Messiah would usher in that day. So Paul and his, the other disciples and apostles, they were persuaded, as I am, that Jesus was the Messiah. So therefore, in their minds, that age of the prophets, on some level, had that, like that, that clock had started ticking. Already. Mm-hmm. So what that meant is that that must mean God is doing something among the nations that is unique. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Paul is ta- you know, he feel and, and he has his encounters with God, Damascus Road experience. We read about that in the book of Acts. Pretty crazy stuff, but awesome. And so he, you know, think he, he gets this calling from God that he's supposed to bring the message, the the message of forgiveness and mercy, but also this message of calling the nations to to turn away from the injustices mm-hmm. and the 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 really the some of the really harsh ways of living that mm-hmm. was 
that went along with paganism and idolatry mm -hmm. to turn to the God of Israel because mm -hmm. of and through Jesus the Messiah. But what I'm saying is that when Paul was doing that, it's my opinion that he didn't have in his mind that he was starting a new religion divorced from the Torah and Judaism. To him, inclusive. To him, that it was it was it was it was welcoming the nations mm, right. within Judaism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not, and this is this is the important distinction. They don't become Jews, but in a sense, they become they enter into Judaism as members of the nations who love the God of Israel because of and through Jesus. It's like one mind. It's like one yeah, mind, and everybody. he talked about that. He talked about this oneness, and I think you know oneness. True oneness is not when you become like me, right. or I become like you. Sure. True oneness is when I respect Carolyn for who she is. Mm -hmm. God has made you who you are, and where I respect Casey for who you are, and you respect me for who I am. But then we have we walk side by side in shalom, mm -hmm. peace. Mm. It's respecting. The other—that's right. that's shalom. Shalom is not me dominating you or other. Right. That, that's that's colonialism. Mm -hmm. the, you know, God forbid that the whole world should become Jewish. Yeah. God, then God's <laughs> just the God of the Jews. But Paul true, says, true. Paul says in Romans three, God is the God of the Gentiles. The God of Gentiles just means nations. Yeah. Also, and so that was a super long question. No. To no, to the whole Judaism Jew distinction. Now again, I'm. I'm a minority voice in that. I'm a minority voice among interpreters of Paul. Mm -hmm. I'm a minority voice within Judaism. There's a lot of people that would listen to that and say, this dude is off his rocker. Mm -hmm. No, I, I get that. That's fine. But that is how I see um, Paul and Judaism. And so in my mind, even though Paul, the prevailing narrative of Paul is that he was an enemy of Judaism, mm -hmm. I think that... I'm very passionate about Paul because I think Paul was a champion for Judaism. I think Paul mm -hmm. was was a very proud Jew in the best of in the best way, but that he was bringing the beauty and the truth and the grace and mercy of Judaism to the world. So I've yeah. I've always heard, and maybe I was wrong on this, but. So in the the Jewish religion, Christ Jesus Christ was a prophet, okay. not necessarily the Messiah. Yeah. So that the Jewish population is looking for the first coming, sure. not the second coming. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. on track? That is very much on track. That is um, that is the that is the prevailing viewpoint. Okay. The prevailing view, viewpoint <clears throat> in Judaism is that Jesus is not the Messiah, mm -hmm. okay? And so, I'm again, I, I, have, I have a minority viewpoint right, right. Um, when it comes to, you know, among the Jewish people. Again, although more and more people in the last 40, 50 years, Jewish people are embracing Jesus as the Messiah, mm -hmm. you know, within Judaism. Uh, but, but it is one of the, um, one of the historic, classic, fundamental beliefs of Judaism is in the coming of a Messiah. Mm -hmm. But, um, but for the past two thousand years, since the time of Jesus, the majority viewpoint is that Jesus is not the Messiah. There are very there are differing viewpoints when it comes to the identity of Jesus among Jews. Mm -hmm. Some would say he was a prophet. 
but just not the Messiah. Some would say he was a good man. Some would some would have. There are sources that have some very negative things to say about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it really does vary. Uh, it depends who you're talking. There is not a mm-hmm. monolithic answer as to what is the Jewish view of Jesus historically and even in modern times. Um, most contemporary, again, Reform American Jews are going to are going to um, you know not really have a are going to have a more positive view of Jesus mm-hmm. just because um, you know they just. You know, like my parents would have said, had no problem saying, yeah, Jesus was probably a prophet, a great man, but just not really for us as the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of a common Jewish answer, uh, but, um, you know, that's not universal. So does your family, not, well, I mean, your family, sure. and then yeah. there's your parents. Yeah. Are they, do they have mm-hmm. the same beliefs that you do, or do, are they still believing what you grew up on? Yeah, so so it was very difficult. When I became a follower of Jesus um, in um, when I was in my early 20s, so this is this is 20-plus years ago. I'm 45. And so um, that was hard because they, they in their minds it meant I was no longer Jewish. But so over time, I wasn't, honestly, at that point, I wasn't really sure what my faith in Jesus meant as far as my Jewish identity mm-hmm. because that was just a whole nother season of my life, but um, but they but they began to see that actually my my allegiance and faith in Jesus as the Messiah made me more Jewish and made me more like hmm. it brought out my sense of Jewish identity and then eventually like I'm like into keeping Torah and then I went to become a rabbi and it's like yeah. you know all this kind of stuff is like. <laughs> And that's look. It's it is Yeshua. Yeshua is Jesus. He mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. the Hebrew for Jesus. He's the one who took me on this ride, right? And mm-hmm. he's the one who got me here. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. So that's you Just, know. So so my family respects that. They really like when my my stepdad in particular um, when he's in town. Like he he loves coming here to Tikvata because this is a. It's, it feels even though he does not embrace Jesus as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 likes and we're very clear that that's who we are mm-hmm. um you know and, but he realizes that like when he comes in here this is a synagogue this is a synagogue where torah is for real and where judaism this is the 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 space here is judaism um but there's you know it's it's obviously it's a it's a jesus or yeshua centered um I, you know mm-hmm. uh, environment um but uh, but he he appreciates he feels like he's in a synagogue because he is. I'm sure they're very proud of you, and it just wasn't the way they thought you should go about it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but they, again, they were my my parents were not very religious. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it was yeah. I mean more so the tension um, that we felt in those early years were more social mm-hmm. and cultural because mm. you know when you're especially for my mom when you grew up in Pikesville the Pikesville section of Baltimore, and your kid comes home and says he believes in Jesus, that's just about the most... It's like blasphemy. It's, it's, it, it's, it's just it's embarrassing. It creates okay. a social dynamic that is just... Maybe a separation. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, you know, and I, I will say my parents handled it absolutely beautifully. Like, it was uncomfortable, you know, especially for my mom, because my mom was born and raised in a hardcore Jewish community mm-hmm. and the idea of 
you know, Jesus have any, having anything to do with us, you know, personally. Like right. she had plenty of Christian friends. She loved Chris. She loved my mom. Loved her some Christmas, yeah. and, and so did my sister still. But but you know, but, but we didn't celebrate it in our home, right? We right. didn't do it in our home. But she loved Christmas music and Christmas all that. But it just wasn't ours. Yeah, right. But but as a, as an outsider, but 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 this brought it into our family, and that was just hard to navigate. Like, what do we do with this? But to the my my family handled it amazingly. Um, my You're mom lucky. got to the point where, you know, again, she never personally embraced or was persuaded of what I personally was, mm-hmm. but she came to just, she she let the love and the relationship and the support for me um, override our differences. Sure. And boy, do I love her for that. And my mom is deceased, um, but, but it is... Um, you know, she in, in a sense still speaks to me every day just to have mm-hmm. that. Nice to have I, I learned a lot from my mom of how to, she modeled um, just unconditional love mm-hmm. and kindness and how to differ with people with, with grace. But yet be who you are. Mm-hmm. You know? That's awesome. That's awesome. You're lucky. It? I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah. So what makes a synagogue a synagogue? Are, yeah. what are, are there rituals? Are there symbols? What kinds of things when I'm walking in yeah. here, besides the fact that you guys are looking very decorative and party-esque. Right. That and the Manischewitz. What, what yeah. makes the synagogue a synagogue? Yeah, no, I, I thank you for asking that. It's, you know, it's first and foremost, um, it's, it's um, a synagogue is a place, you know, it's, 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 it's a community of people where um, Torah is central and, and mm-hmm. where we're ordering our lives around uh, the principles of Torah and Judaism. Mm-hmm. And so our rhythm and flow is, you know, we have uh, just around the corner here in our, where we have our services, we have a Torah, two Torah scrolls. We have an ark, we put the Torah scrolls in what's called an ark. And so, you know, our, our services follow the, uh, the traditional Jewish liturgical pattern. So we, we pray from, from what's called a siddur, which is a Hebrew prayer book. So our prayers mm-hmm. are, now here we have you know Hebrew and English uh, that we that we utilize in the service because not everybody speaks Hebrew. you know good good Hebrew and we yeah. sort of have, we have different services too like we have a on Shabbat mornings at Saturday mornings we have a very liturgical service that's a lot of Hebrew and then we have what's called mm. a family service which is a lot more English and mm-hmm. it's more accessible to visitors and you know people that are just kind of trying to figure that figure things out. So, so the Torah scroll, the the siddur, the holidays, Shabbat, the Sabbath is 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 huge. Mm-hmm. So everything, you know, whereas in a in a Christian tradition, you would, you know, unless it's a Seventh Day Adventist, but most Christian traditions, of course, gather, congregate on Sundays. Sundays, mm-hmm. right? We we do Friday nights and Saturdays. So so a synagogue is a place where it's it's a community. Really, it's a synagogue mm-hmm. is more people. Who have you know shared values mm-hmm. and um, and and a shared I would say that word again hashkafa, a worldview <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that is um, you know following um, uh, the God of of Abraham Isaac and Jacob according to Torah and then of course for us you know we have that that very central belief that God has has acted redemptively through. 
Yeshua through Jesus the Messiah, mm-hmm. and so that's very, um, very central to to how we order our you know things as well because. You know, we, we, we look at the words and the ways of Yeshua and the apostles as very, um, very important to how we think about Judaism mm-hmm. and synagogue life. And, um, and that, that all, you know, a lot of people think, well, how does that, how can you, how does that all fit together? Well, again, because if we go back to the original story in the Gospels and in Acts, these were Jews that were living very Jewish lives. Um, and so we see tremendous harmony there in what we're trying to do. So the, symbolically, yeah. um, Christians would wear a cross. And I, I don't know that much about the Star of David and would sure. like to learn a little bit more about it. But would, so which is the more accepted or is it both? In, in... Sure, good question. So obviously the, the cross is symbolic of a message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, right. it's a symbol. Right. It's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of uh, something very wonderful that happened in in, in something redemptive. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know, it's symbol of Jesus's death and and pointing to his resurrection as well. Um, and so, of course, that's the the meaning behind the cross. Right. Um, and so, for us as a messianic synagogue that embraces Yeshua as the Messiah. That is very important. Mm-hmm. However, there's some nuance when we talk about the cross because in a Jewish environment and in Jewish history, the symbol of the cross um, uh, was has some has some baggage to it. Okay. Uh, the 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 history between the church and the synagogue, Christians. And the Jewish people right. mm-hmm. is a very rocky one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's yes. a, there's a, it's a very rocky history, which is for a much longer conversation. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but it's a very rocky one, and and certainly we have some wonderful stories and heroes: the Corey Ten Booms, the Dietrich Bonhoeffers, uh, who who did very heroic things to protect Jews. So there's yeah. plenty of those, but there's also um, a lot of anti-Semitism. Yeah. That 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 came from within the church itself. Of course, that's very heavily documented, and even from some of the most influential church fathers through mm-hmm. the years. Martin Luther, despite some you know some very positive things and how he's venerated in in you know especially in in the Protestant world, um, he has said some very harsh things about Jews, mm-hmm. and so therefore. Um, the the symbol of the cross because of the persecution and the anti-Semitism that came from the church symbolized by the cross um, the the physical symbol is one that you will typically not see in messianic sort of a reminder of yeah, not because, such great because times. like we even have some of the, especially some of our older Jewish people in mm-hmm. our congregation that grew up, you know, uh, you know that are more so in their sixties, seventies, eighties that we have here. Um, they they remember being you know called Jew you know Jew killers right. by mm. Christian friends who were wearing crosses or yeah. you know wow. and, and and they have parents and grandparents who who really were treated harsh. My own grandfather 
um, you know, told stories of being beaten up in the army just because he was a Jew, yeah, being called crazy. a dirty Jew. Uh, you know, and, and these were from people who, whether they were or were not, certainly they were not acting in accord with the teachings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. How could they be? He was a Jew who loved the Jewish people. You know, but but nonetheless, those associations are very real, and so therefore you won't. Now, we if, if we have visitors at times who come in and have crosses on, mm -hmm. uh, that we don't make an issue. Of that. It's not <laughs> Excuse a me, leave it at it's the not, door. It's not, <laughs> no, no, it's not intentional. It's not to, intentional, yeah. and and the, they and and people people understand that. But but we do have people in our community so that when crazy. they see a cross, it would be a it's 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 it makes them uncomfortable. Sure. They know mm. it's not a personal affront, but we just don't have them around mm -hmm. because of that association. It's a sensitive, um, sensitive it's a sensitivity. Topic, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what is the Star of David then? You know, the Star of David has a, has a, has a very mystical, interesting, there's a lot of mystery as far as the origin. Of the, first of all, the Star of David, there's no evidence whatsoever that the Star of David is a, originated in biblical times. Mm -hmm. Okay. We don't, so it's not like King David had like, that was his shield or anything like that. We, we don't have any evidence. And maybe it was, we just don't have evidence mm -hmm. of that. So uh, from, from the best I've been able to discern, it, um, it is more of a medieval era symbol that over time evolved and, and Jewish people sort of assumed it um, in, in, uh, in Jewish contexts. And so it, it has just, you know, I'm I'm not uh, well versed on the history of it, other than I know it's more recent. It's not a biblical symbol. Um, it has hmm. just come to ev it just it's evolved over time to represent things Jewish, yeah, right? Really. But it doesn't really have a a strong like. It doesn't really represent something religious, whereas mm -hmm. like you'll see. Um, something that does, like a menorah. Like mm -hmm. a menorah. Right. Mm -hmm. A menorah is different. Now, a menorah represents something very biblical. That was a, the menorah was a, was a furniture piece in the temple and in the tabernacle. We see it described in, in the Torah itself. Mm -hmm. So that has a very strong biblical, uh, biblical meaning. Um, but, um, you know, but the, yeah, as far as the, the, the Star of David. It's just it's more of a you know, it's come to be sort of a of a civic general symbol for the Jewish people. It's your marketing. Yeah. <laughs> or it's just it's kind of, yeah. I mean, I mean we have it on our yeah. you know, on our and our yeah. logo and on our sign and so mm -hmm. forth. Because you know, when you see a star, it's you know something it Jewish. Yeah. You know, it's something right. related to Judaism. Um, what does the Jewish faith say about what happens when we die? Ooh, great one. Yeah. So uh, the afterlife. Yeah. So um, yeah. So so there there is less preoccupation with the afterlife in Judaism than mm -hmm. there is in Christianity. Mm -hmm. Just as a starting point, mm -hmm. um, the the um, there there is a, the classic historic viewpoint of Judaism is that the afterlife is very real. Uh, for the overwhelming majority of people, it's going to be very positive, positive. Mm -hmm. um, and you know it's it's referred to as um, very broadly as uh, Olam Haba, the world to come. So there's Olam Hazeh, that's this world. Mm -hmm. There's the Olam Haba, the world to come. Mm 
And so it's it's really I would say in in some ways it's very it's comparable to a a Christian view of of um, heaven of heaven mm-hmm. um, and that you know there's uh, there's we're in the presence of God and there's peace and there's no more death and 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 so forth but it is generally speaking although again there is a big view of the afterlife in Judaism it's not it tends not to be as developed and refined um, or maybe refined is not the right word more defined, defined would be yeah. the word mm-hmm. Christianity is much more defined mm-hmm. in its theology of both heaven and hell right um, right whereas within Judaism there is there is a um, there is a belief in both heaven and it, they don't Judaism typically doesn't use it hell, but there's a, the concept of it's called Gehenna, uh, or Gehenna, uh-huh. which is actually a word that's mentioned in the New Testament, um, and it's like this place of of judgment. I mean, it would be roughly equivalent to to hell, mm-hmm. um, but uh, and then heaven is this, or, or uh, is also referred to as Gan Eden, like the Garden of Eden. Right. It's this. It's oh, okay. this it's this view of, of just bliss and presence of God and eternity. So that's definitely there in Judaism. It's just not as defined. Um, also, you do not have in Judaism, um, you know, not certainly not all Christians embrace this idea. But um, within Judaism, you don't have a concept on the negative side of eternal conscious torment, right? Which you know some evangelical, more so in an evangelical Protestant mm-hmm. um, uh, viewpoint, some that is that is a significant viewpoint that basically. You know, for those who go to hell, it's it's bad and it's Torment. bad for a long time, yeah, um, mm-hmm. forever. Um, that is not. There's nothing like that in in Judaism, and um, so that's those nothing that scary. Nothing, nothing <laughs> that scary. Um, but 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 certainly, you know, there is a there there, there is a there's a street level um, viewpoint that oh, Jews don't believe in hell. Well, that's not really true. There are plenty of Jews who do not believe in hell, mm-hmm. but the classic teachings of Judaism, the sources of Judaism, do have a place of judgment for the reprobate or really wicked people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that it would be more so like an, an annihilationism mm-hmm. sort of a, of a vision mm-hmm. to where you're you're judged and you are you know. And, and that's it, right? And that's a really that's a really bad thing. But um, you know, that's that's the way it is. You know, yeah. 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 So, so go to the the right place and not the wrong. Just out of curiosity, I've heard the word kosher. Yeah. What is kosher? And is it just pertain to food, or mm-hmm. is it anything else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it usually is in, in you know in okay. pertaining to food. Um, certainly in a technical sense, kosher is just is, is essentially. Uh, a rough equivalent would be just to mean clean, uh, clean in the sense of it is it's food that is um, clean according to the dietary laws that are found in the Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Leviticus uh, 11 and I think it's Deuteronomy 14 outline. Okay, these are you know if it's a if it's a fish, it needs to have fins and scales to, in order to be an edible fish. So 
salmon, it's fine, you know, things, mm -hmm. no catfish, no, you know, swordfish, things like that. Oh. So um, for animals, it mm -hmm. has to have uh, split hooves and it has to have uh, mm. chew, what they call chew the cud, it has to do with the, the chambers and the way mm -hmm. they right, digest right. the food and so forth. So, you know, cows, great, you know, cat, uh, beef, cattle, all good, chicken, turkey, no problem, even deer, um, you know, but, um, uh, but pork obviously is the big, like the, like the ultimate symbol of the like non-kosher, you know, <laughs> food. But very importantly, it's, it's a lot of people, um, uh, have some, there's a lot of misconceptions about kosher. First of all, kosher laws, um, are, are not just simply what the Bible says. Like there's, there's also, um, um, additional, um, sort of additional laws that go with kosher. Like another thing is um, uh, not mixing milk and meat is, mm -hmm, is, a, right. is a typical, is a, is a kosher. Now that's a controversial one because actually as the, in, within Judaism, as kashrut is sort of articulated, um, that not mixing milk and meat is, is considered to have a biblical precedence. It's, the, it's three times in the Torah it says, don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. And so wow. the pretty universal Jewish interpretation of that is that kind of like it's 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 a fairly complicated explanation but ultimately when you get down to the ground it means you can't mix milk and meat mm -hmm. is what that text means oh. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a very I'm going like Broad. kind of from yeah. from something complicated making it very simple right. without an explanation yeah, we like okay. simple but, but that's that's <laughs> The, it's it's the the not mixing milk and meat is not just a rabbinic innovation. It is based on a source in the Bible, whether one agrees with the interpretation it's or there. not. It's there. Yeah. So in other words, if you go to a, into a kosher restaurant, we have quite a few here in Atlanta. Sure. Um, it's either going to be a meat restaurant or it's going to be a dairy restaurant, but you will not have one that has both. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. I've never right. So you that. can't go and get a cheeseburger. It's either going to be a you know, cheese a on your burger. Bird. <laughs> you know, there's not going to be meat. Yeah, yeah. It's a grilled cheese, cheese sandwich. Yeah, well, like I, I use these these veggie slices, so we make fake cheeseburgers. Yeah, there you, you know, go. On, on, my, on my burgers, and those are really good. That's pretty so, popular now, so. Yeah, it's all good. Or you can do, a, you know, one of these plant burgers and then put cheese on it. Right. Because it's not right. meat. Because it tastes like meat. There's and it tastes way, like meat. Impossible burgers, it. right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Impossible burgers are kosher. So, right. so kosher has to do with the dietary laws that are based in the Torah and that are, you know, agreed upon and sort of, you know, legislated by Jewish law, um, and and you know that's you know and you know there's very there's different degrees of of kosher observance. Some people think, okay, well I don't eat pork and I don't eat shellfish, thus I keep kosher. Um, so there, that's not really, you know, like. I would say maybe that's like one step towards kosher or, or a form of keeping kosher, but like full on kosher is, you know, you're really, you're only buying certified kosher meat that's been slaughtered mm -hmm. according to Jewish ritual law. Um, you're you're um, not mixing, you have separate dishes for dairy and meat. So it gets mm -hmm. quite complicated and, you know, there's a lot to, uh, to kosher, mm -hmm. um, but it also, so, so there's that, but then also a lot, there's a misconception that eating kosher is more healthy. It's not. <laughs> it has nothing it's to just, do with it's health. It's just laws. It has That's nothing all. to do with health. It has to do mm -hmm. with, with, um, with really 
when the when the laws were given, and I would say to an extent today, it was it was just a way it was a way of defining the Jewish people and say, look, I, I'm I'm kind of setting a boundary around you because you have a purpose, and I'm like marking you out. You're not better. You're not above. You're just like everybody else. But I am sort of I'm, I'm circling you to do a purpose for me in this world. So I'm going to give you some things that are going to kind of like mark you out so, mm -hmm. you, so so the people know okay they're those are the jews and they have a role in this world mm -hmm. and one of those things is you're going to have kind of a funky unique diet mm -hmm. and for you it's it's a holy thing for you to eat this food because i said so i mean right. I'm, I'm really right. talking in a very human way but right. this is kind of the way god communicates mm -hmm. it he's yeah. like so so it's not a sin for 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 a non-Jewish person to to eat pork, that's not a sin. Right. It's not a sin. But in within the realm of Jewish observance, it would be considered a sin to eat pork because God said, "Jew, Jews, don't eat this." Right. You see what I'm that's saying? That's fascinating. So it, it has nothing to do with. I mean, when they were given, when the laws were given, it might have been, you know, there's I've heard arguments and some, you know, that. It, it, that meat was to eat certain kinds of meat were more, more you know there was maybe more um, danger as far as getting sick sure but i've not found any of those arguments persuasive i don't think it has anything to do with health mm -hmm. because you i keep kosher and yeah pr a pretty high level of, of of kosher and i mean it's just as easy for me to eat garbage as anybody else <laughs> i mean yeah. you know like you're human we're at yeah we're staff meeting tonight here after we're done you know a little bit we're going to be eating pizza and, and right. it's just as greasy and, and junk i mean it doesn't Not have pepperoni healthy. on it doesn't have pepperoni on it but it's it's just it's, junk pizza right, right, you know right <laughs> well, I, I know we could go on and on and yeah. on for days. Yeah. You have been fascinating to oh, talk to. You. I Real eye-opener. I have never in my wildest dreams knew any of this oh. this information. So, And it's going to take away some assumptions. Good. I think that yeah, I, I, hope, so. I hope Not so. Not bad assumptions, yeah. but just, you know. Sure. And, and that's important. Things, I mean, yeah. to me, that's, I love... Um, Dispel the myths. Yeah, and, and yeah. so that there, there's just better understanding, and I think you know education is is just so important. Mm -hmm. uh, it's liberating. So um, I have I have know? one more question. I know we need to end it. Yeah. Um, but if 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 someone wanted to come mm -hmm. to a Jewish synagogue for a service, can anybody come into this? Anybody can come here. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. that's what I wanted. I, I we would welcome. Of course, the two of you would love for you guys to come to a service anytime. Uh, I really am I would love to. Um, <laughs> it's it's so you know. You, of course, you can go to the website Tikvat David. So mm -hmm. it's T I K V A T, and then just the word David Tikvat David mm -hmm. uh, okay. dot um, dot org, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, and all the information's on there and. That's would love good, any good anybody who's listening or of course you all are always absolutely because that's i think something that intimidates people when they maybe aren't church goers or synagogue goers yeah you don't know where you can what, what buildings you can you enter right you don't know what yeah, buildings you can enter into some places right. are yeah, you know we true. we really i was telling somebody today who was inquiring um about our synagogue he's been watching us online and wants to visit i said you know we actually this is kind of a weird thing but we we work really hard to be like a warm and safe place you know we mm -hmm. want people to be able to there's a there's a tradition um it's not in the in the bible but it's, it's kind of implied that abraham um he was known for his hospitality and that his tent was open in all four directions 
north, south, east, and west. Wow. Because he was he wanted people to be able to come into his tent no matter what direction they sure. came from. And we sort of have tried to um, incorporate that spirit mm -hmm. here in that we want people to feel like they can come in, you know, from any direction that our tent is open in that mm -hmm. sense. And so, you know, we're, we are unashamed, we're confident in who we are as, mm -hmm. as um, you know, we, this is a this is a synagogue. We we love Judaism. We're, we believe Yeshua is the Messiah, mm -hmm. um, but we also want to just you know just do what we can. If somebody's here one time, or if they become members, it's like what can we do to make your life better? Better, right? Better. I mean, should if if we if we have God and we have you know, <laughs> like the way yeah. I would articulate, we have Torah. And we have Bible, and we have Yeshua. Shouldn't shouldn't this be a place where people life can be better? Absolutely. And, but we got to work. But we got we we have to we have to make an effort at that too mm -hmm. by by being authentic and by by you know emphasizing the importance of community and authenticity and mm -hmm. you know you don't have to have it all together and you can bring your mess you know. Life is messy, you yes. know, and mm -hmm. so bring it and work it out. Yeah, just <laughs> take a step forward. We're big on like one percent improvements. Like, yeah, let's let's just get one percent better today or this week or this month. Yeah. Not try to do ten percent, one percent, one percent, one percent. Let's not intimidate people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. Yeah, it's been wonderful. My pleasure. Thanks everyone for being with us today. This is Casey and Care reminding you that you are enough and you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Hey, Care, I got an idea. What is it? Let's sing a different song Mom taught me. Sure. What is it? Do you know Jesus loves the little children? Yes, I do. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Be them yellow, black, or white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Amen. <laughs> I like that one. Me too. To learn more about Rabbi Ryan Lambert and the Messianic Synagogue, log on to www tikvadavid.org that's www.tikvadavid.org ciao for now